Coming up on today's edition of Locked On Cougars, we are talking USF football. BYU and USF going to square off in the season opener. Going to welcome in Will Turner, of course, covering the Bulls for 24-7 sports. Going to talk a lot of USF, and we'll also talk a little bit about the rivalry dynamic that USF has with UCF and some Big 12 ties with all of that. We'll get to all that and more on today's edition of Locked On Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider, talking all things BYU every single day here on this podcast. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. But none of that matters, because today we're talking USF football, and that's where Will Turner comes in. Uh, Will covers uh, USF for 24-7 sports. There's a lot of other stuff on the side, but Will, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Yeah, of course. Appreciate you having me. I, uh, I I got nothing but love for the for the folks out in Provo, especially after last year's uh, last year's trip out there. So, uh, did you make the trip last year? Let's start there. Did you come out this past uh, season when USF played in Provo? Yeah, I did. Uh, I I flew the the day of the game because I think it was like an eight thirty or a nine thirty Mountain Time kick and. Uh, flew out to Provo, made an extended weekend out of it, and stayed I think in West Jordan and. Uh, ended up the weekend driving through Wasatch National Forest and, you know, just genuinely just kind of fell in love with the area. Well, that's awesome. Well, so obviously BYU's making a return trip to Tampa September 3rd for the season opener here. I, I wanted to talk to you about the kind of the nuts and bolts of USF, but I want to start with some more broad stuff. And I want to talk about something that kind of hit the uh, the Twitterverse here locally in Utah today. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, but Utah State and BYU's series, their rivalry series, is going on hiatus. BYU and Utah State have formally agreed that in 2023 they had games scheduled between 2023 and 2026 that have, are essentially they've been canceled. BYU just going to the Big 12. They needed to get rid of some games and that one was one of the sacrificial lambs as it were for that. We all know that UCF is of course the main rival for USF that war on I-4 might be the best rivalry moniker out there in my opinion. I truly believe it's incredible. <laughs> uh, do you know uh, what the dynamic is going to be t- between UCF and USF as UCF makes the jump to the Big 12? Are they going to continue to play? What's the, that's, what's the status of that rivalry yeah so as of right now there really hasn't been any formal you know on the record type of um, agreements per se they haven't really kind of come to a decision but you know we do know as of right now that you know usf and, and ucf are scheduled to play in 2022 and i think a lot of it too kind of depends on when the exit year is for for, for sure. ucf you know there's a lot of talk about them you know, potentially exiting early and going to the Big 12. Um, potential of them, you know, staying in the American for another year it just kind of depends on on the buyout that they have to have with the AAC. And there's been a lot of debate about what that number is and where UCF is going to come up with the money, um, where Houston's going to come up with the money, and, and you know, and 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 uh, Cincinnati for that matter as well from the American. So, you know, there's some there's some questions about that. But right now, on the uh, you know, as it, as it stands. 
USF doesn't have any non-conference space on its schedule through the 2027 season. Uh, they they did a, a phenomenal job of trying to, uh, you know, really strengthen their strength of schedule. Um, you know, they put BYU on there two more times down the line. They put Notre Dame down there uh, two times down the line. Alabama's on there three times. Okay. Uh, I think there's a I think there's another Florida trip. Um, in the in the mix, a couple of Miami trips as well. Um, you know, so they've really done a great job of beefing up the non-conference schedule, and because of that, they've been able to fill their non-conference schedule through the 27-28 season. So, from strictly that perspective, the rivalry looks as though it will go on hiatus because there's just not space on USF schedule to add that game. Now, there's a couple FCS dates. In that time frame, you know, some uh, some games against Florida A&M, um, Bethune-Cookman, they, you know, scheduled a, a few of those, so against some in-state FCS foes. So you could always dr- probably drop one of those games to, to add a UCF matchup here within the next couple of years. But until until that's, you know, the, the, the I's are dotted and, and the T's are crossed. So right now it looks like that rivalry could go on hiatus as well. Now, BYU and Utah State, they've pl- they will have played 90 times in 100 years. So the first game between these two was in 1922, and uh, this year, 2022, will be the 90th time they have squared off. And of course, as you would expect, Utah State fans are less than enthused that BYU essentially dumped them as they jump into the Big 12 here. Give me a sense of uh, where USF fans sit with regards to that UCF rivalry. Do they want to see it, or do, or do they say, hey, good riddance to you, see ya? I think it's a lot of the good riddance. Okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see again. And you know, if we, if we end up in the big 12, um, the rivalry has, has the rivalry is, 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 it's better. It's one of the most underrated rivalries in college football. I think um, in college athletics, you know, USF jumped out to a six, two series lead um, against the Knights on the football field. And, and then UCF, obviously, with their recent success of, of their 2017 run and then, you know, uh, going back to a New Year's Six Bowl in 2018, um, you know, UCF is, has really evened the tide. Um, and, and, and it doesn't help that USF kind of shot itself in the foot with, you know, the, the backlash and how the Charlie Strong era ended. Yeah. And, and just kind of how that's fed into the Jeff Scott era a little bit. USF hasn't done itself any favors, but... I think the most important moniker here for USF right now is the fact that there's, in addition to the football trophy, there's an overall war on I-4 all-sports trophy. And USF has yet to win that, right? Yeah, I think this is the sixth year of its existence. It's either year five or year six of its existence. And USF has not won that trophy once. So I think USF fans, you know, especially this year, USF has performed so poorly, especially in the major sports against UCF in terms of, you know, they lost they lost the football game. They lost, um, you know, a men's basketball game. They lost both women's basketball games and women's basketball traditionally has been the best sport on campus. Uh, softball took a season series, I think swept USF. Um, and when they came to play in Tampa, uh, baseball got swept by UCF in the first series and then uh, took two out of three in the second series. So I think USF fans are just kind of tired of getting beat up on UCF and this is going to be UCF pop propaganda. I can already tell. Um, but, um, but uh, I think you, a lot of USF fans just kind of got tired of, of being beat up on by their rival. And, um, 
and they're kind of like, all right, we're fine with, with not seeing you for another five, six years. Cause we're just kind of tired of all the bragging and, and, uh, and showboating on social media. Um, <laughs> and hey. trust me, there's plenty of it. Hey, they're BYU fans for the decade that Utah owned that rivalry. I think they can commiserate with USF fans in that, <laughs> in that circumstance. But I wanted to talk to you before we get to, I want to get specific on USF and what BYU fans can expect in this game in a moment. But I, I want to get one more big picture thing from you. With regards to the Big 12, I am a proponent of bringing in USF to match with UCF in a future expansion window for the Big 12. And I also think that Boise State out here in the West would be a nice travel partner, or just another anchor out here in the Western part of the country for BYU on the other side of the conference. Do you think that USF is going to make the... I don't know if requisite moves is the right way to term it, but will, will they be endeavoring in a future to find themselves in the Big 12? What what do you think the future is for the Bulls? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for USF right now is, you know, in college football, the biggest question regarding teams that are on the rise is what have they done to invest in their program? Sure. And prior to, you know, recent trends, USF, you know, could say they've invested in the program, but it hasn't really been there, you know, uh, or or the necessary steps haven't really been done. And and a lot of that stemmed on the football sense, like I said previously, towards the end of the Charlie Strong era, there's been talks of an indoor practice facility um, being built for the last, gosh, I think the plan was introduced in 2017 or 2018 okay. and it's just, and the shovels just went in the ground, um, this last season in 2020, uh, in, in the 2021 season, um, they had a groundbreaking ceremony in September and that facility is finally supposed to be open for fall camp in 2022 which is a huge step right you for any BYU fans that made the trip to Tampa in um you know mid-October I remember that day being a little bit on the cooler side for for Florida sure but any 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 BYU fan or anybody that you know that 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 knows especially central Florida (laughs) um you know where where USF is because you know it's it's more west central than anything else um it, it, it rains a lot here. It yeah. rains a lot summertime. You know, we get, you know, either we get our storms in the morning and they go from west to east across the state or they build in the east in the morning and they come east to west across the state. It's a daily pattern. I've lived here all 22 years of my life. It, it, it has not changed. And when you get into those summer months, when you start fall camp in August and, you, and in September, USF has had to consistently dodge raindrops for lack of a better term. They've had to, you know, try and, and avoid, um, and try and avoid, um, just having their practices postponed. Yeah. I mean, they, they've had a handful of it, you know, and, and that's why the Rays, uh, play in a dome, you know, over in St. Pete, because it rains more times than not. So you're gonna have a lot of baseball postponed. Same thing with USF practices. So, um, you know, the IPF is a huge first step. The on-campus stadium that's proposed right now is, is, is another important step. And, you know, the thing with USF that I've heard a lot of and that's been settled publicly is there's an alignment between, you know, the, the board of directors, the vice president of athletics, Michael Kelly, uh, the head football coach, Jeff Scott, the president who was just recently elected in, in, in RIA law. Um, you know, there, there's alignment between all those parties, which is huge because that's something that USF had never 
um, seemingly had in, 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 in its, you know, 20, 25 year, uh, football playing history. Um, so it's good to see that. And, and I think, you know, obviously facilities are going to play a huge role in, you know, getting, uh, pushed towards a, a power five conference. Now, you know, in terms of the big 12, I, 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 I don't know if I've ever really been a fan of the Big 12 for USF just simply because of the travel implications sure. that it would have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, outside of UCF, um, you know, if they'd still, you know, if they'd be in that conference, you know, you're going to have to play a lot of games in the central time zone. You're going to have to play a lot of games at, at or, you know, going out to the, to the mountains and playing BYU. Last year, USF didn't get home from the BYU trip until 4.35 a.m. Eastern time. I mean, and, and you're asking, you know, obviously that's a Saturday night and, and that eats into your game week preparation too, mm-hmm. but you're also asking the Olympic sports. You're also asking a, a men's basketball, women's basketball to potentially make a trip out to the Marriott center or, you know, go to Boise state um, or go anywhere along the Midwest sure. and play a game at, you know, maybe eight, nine o'clock Eastern time on a, on a school night and have to come back and play that game. Or you're asking, you know, a Kansas state, a Baylor, uh, Texas Tech to do the, to come to Tampa to do the same thing. So I haven't really been a fan of the Big 12 simply just because of the travel aspect. I don't think it makes sense. It'll be interesting to see what UCF does and how the Big 12 schedules for UCF in that regard. Um, you know, in terms of conference expansion, I think the ACC could be a really good fit for USF. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, is is will Florida, uh, Florida State and, and Miami allow it? You know, a lot of talk has been, you know, if USF tries to get into the conference, um, will those two schools try and block? Um, USF uh, Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly um, has a was a, a former top exec in the ACC and has and, and has some really good ties to, to folks in the ACC. That's how he was able to, to land Jeff Scott from Clemson. Um, you know, so so I think the ACC could be a really good fit, um, but I think they're still at least maybe three or four years away. And and at the end of the day, with football being your your biggest money maker and your biggest revenue sport, you have to win on the football field and. USF isn't getting that part done right now. All right, more with Will here momentarily. Will, have you ever had a Built Bar before by chance? I have heard of the legendary <laughs> Built Bars through uh, through our friend Ben Ben Criddle. Okay. Uh, but uh, but I, no, I have not had one just okay. yet. Let me see if I can arrange to get you some delivered. Actually, they just launched. So they're a great sponsor of ours here on Locked on Cougar. So I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to see if I can get some sent to you because this is a brand new flavor they just dropped. It's called the Birthday Cake Puff. And what it is, anybody who's listening to this podcast or watching it, it is a first of its kind marshmallow that's been infused with protein. It's absolutely just incredible. Covered in 100% chocolate. They're absolutely delicious. And if you've not tried them, like Will, who I'm going to try and hook up, I'm going to try and get some sent out to him. You can Let's get you can get the built.com right now and place your order there. Promo code LOCKED15 will get you 15% off. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. The macros on this are absolutely incredible. Just 150 calories, 16 grams of protein packed into this bar with only 9 grams of sugar. You just can't beat it. It's as good as a candy bar. I'm serious about this, everybody. Give them a shot. That is built.com to place your order now that birthday cake puff is a one of a kind it's here for a short time only that's got sprinkles on it i was looking at this thing i'm like there's no way this thing can be healthy but the macros are absolutely nuts give it a shot that's promo code locked 15 at built.com 
All right, more. Yeah, healing. you're gonna have, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to put me on that, man. That that sounds good, man. I've been needed to get back to the gym, and, and and maybe I need a good protein bar. I need them to start shipping to Florida on a regular basis. Hey, we can we can we can help make that happen. They're actually based here in Utah, so we we can work on that. Will Turner, you see right below there, W Turner twenty four seven on Twitter. If you want to follow him, you can follow this show, Locked On Cougars, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search out Locked On Cougars. Always uh, love interacting with you guys, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right, Will, let's get into some of the nitty-gritty with regards to USF because BYU fans, I think, are very interested in how USF is going to look in the season opener here in 2022 after watching them in 2021. And I think it starts at the quarterback position. We all just heard that Gary Bohannon, a guy that BYU fans are familiar with because he led just Baylor to an absolute romp over BYU in their game last year, he is transferring to USF. Timmy McLean, I thought, had his moments last year at quarterback for USF. So, Lay it out for us. What is the quarterback situation for the Bulls? Man, I've been on this beat for five years, and I and and, and if USF fans are listening to this, I mean, I, they're just going to tell me I sound like a broken record. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been on this beat for five years, and there's been a quarterback competition, whether it's at the start of the season, whether it's in season, whether it's whenever. There's been a quarterback competition all five years of of, of the beat that you know that I've been on this beat. Um, <laughs> so when I heard that Gary Bohanna was and, and there, when I heard that Gary Bohanna was going to be transferring in, I was like, well, here we go again. But there was already going to be a bit of a quarterback competition um, heading out of the spring. And that happens anytime you get a new offensive coordinator. USF sure. uh, just hired uh, former West Virginia inside receivers and tight ends coach Travis Trickett. Um, he made the jump. He's back to being an offensive coordinator. He was an offensive coordinator at Georgia State as well as Florida Atlantic. And he replaces Charlie Weiss Jr., who uh, kind of um, took uh, to who, who took the job at Ole Miss yeah. uh, with, with Lane Kiffin. I was trying to find the right words there. Um, but took the job at Ole Miss with, with Lane Kiffin. And, and um, so Trickett comes in. Uh, having you know his offensive coordinator experience, I think he sent, spent four or five years with, with Neil Brown at uh, with Neil Brown at West Virginia. Now, um, obviously, you've got a quarterback competition to begin with between Tim and McLean and, and Travis Marsh. Um, Marsh has kind of been a spot starter here and there. Uh, started last uh, the 2020 cocked opener against Cincinnati, and then started uh, the 2021 game at East Carolina when McLean was dealing with uh, I think it was a hamstring injury or something of the sort. Um, it was a rainy night. Marched through I think two, three interceptions, and a couple of them were coachable. A couple of them could have been wet ball type of situations. Um, he's got a really good uh, deep ball. Marsh does, and and I think he's I think I think coming out of spring. You know, he looked definitely the more impressive quarterback in the spring game than McLean did. Um, McLean is, is the BYU fan saw it. He's he he can escape, uh, you know, situations that a lot of quarterbacks can't. I mean, he's got really really good escapability. Um, he's got really good you know vision down the field to to be able to you know uh, make guys miss, and, and and he's a really really good athlete. The thing with 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 McLean that I think you're going to see in this offense that Travis Trickett's going to run is they're going to want him to try and stand in the pocket more, step up, and throw the football. They're going to want him to read his progressions. And it felt like he plateaued towards the end of last season in terms of looking through his progressions and trying to find, you know, an open receiver. And I think that was the biggest thing with him that kind of, you know, leveled the playing field between him and Travis Marsh was just that he hadn't been – it looked like he was – 
you know, maybe looked at his first progression, maybe looked at his second progression, and then immediately wanted to take off and run. And I, and I don't think that's going to work in Travis Trickett's offense um, at, at USF as he comes in. I think I think he's going to want him to deliver the football a little bit more um, instead of just wanting to take off immediately. Gary Bohannon kind of uh, fits that mold a little bit, right? Yeah. You know, can't escape. I've heard a lot of good things about his escapability. He ran for over 100 yards in the win over Oklahoma. Um you know, I've heard a lot of good things about his ability to 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 run uh, to run the ball, but I've also heard really good things about him wanting to step up in the pocket and deliver a strong, accurate strike to be able to to, to make plays in the passing game. And I think that I, I think that could be a big aspect of of, of how this competition is going to go, just kind of based on styles alone. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned Travis Trickett. They also have a new defensive coordinator. So Jeff yes. Scott changed out both coordinators here. Uh, obviously, when you get Charlie Weiss getting opportunity to go to the SEC, you, you can't blame him for taking that upgrade in terms of right. overall prestige and whatnot. Why the switch at defensive coordinator? Well, in short, Glenn Spencer's defense wasn't getting it done. Um, they gave up over over thirty four points a game last year. I think in the in the two years that Glenn Spencer was 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 around uh, USF and was a defensive coordinator. They had allowed, I think, 50 or more points at least three or four times. I think they allowed 40 points in a game, uh, you know, 10 or 11 times um, it, it, in two seasons, mind you. Um, and, and consider that 2020 season, they didn't play a full 12-game schedule because of, uh, of the, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, now... There was a lot to be said about USF's ability to rush the quarterback, and that was kind of a big thing was that USF, their defense was getting torn apart because quarterbacks had five, six, seven seconds to sit in the pocket and be able to to, to pick apart USF secondary, which you know was depleted a lot of times throughout the year. Christian Williams, the, the Miami transfer, uh, missed six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Uh, Kansas State transfer Will Jones missed the entire season with a with a torn ACL, suffered just two days before the season opener. Um, you know their secondary was depleted. They trotted out more than a few walk ons during the year, and when you know you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, and a quarterback could pick apart you know a, a secondary, you've got to make sure that that your secondary is is fresh. But USF just didn't have that luxury last year, so that was a piece of it. But I think you know ultimately just. They weren't getting pressure on the quarterback, and that was just huge. I mean, USF was 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 pretty low towards the bottom of the country, maybe even last in the FBS in terms of getting sacks and getting tackles for loss. If definitely not, uh, you know, definitely a, a bottom five, a bottom ten um, unit. Now, again, that could be said about defensive line play, uh, about the personnel, um, just not having the depth in, in in both rooms. But at the same time, you know, you look at the game against Tulane. Um, which was the penultimate week of the season. This was a game that USF was, um, you know, they, they go out on the opening drive and they score easily and they look like it's going to be, you know, a pretty good day. There were, you know, some, some tweets saying that Tulane players had gone out and party the night before on, on Bourbon Street or something like that. So it seemed like USF, you know, possibly had an, had an easy win in the bag. But then Tulane goes out and scores like 30 points in the first half. <laughs> and, and we're all kind of sitting in the press box looking at each other going, what the heck happened? And, you know, and, and it was just a lot of, you know, guys not being in the right places and, and, you know, not being able to get pressure on the quarterback. And I think that was the game. I mean, Glenn Spencer ended up getting fired the day after the game. Um, that was the game where it was, it, the wheels just kind of fell off and it said, okay, it's time for change. 
Um, and they made a good one. I think Bob Shubin's going to be really good, completely different style of defense in terms of, uh, of rushing the quarterback. He wants to be in your face, and and uh, I think that's going to be beneficial. Well, and that's the thing I wanted to say. Nine sacks as a team for USF, if I'm looking at the stats correctly yep. last year, and that yep. it's pretty paltry. And BYU's had their own issues rushing the quarterback, so I think any BYU fan watching or listening to this would be like, okay, well, yeah, we, hey, we get it too. <laughs> we, we, we know about not getting after the quarterback and allowing those right. quarterbacks to feel like they're at home. Uh, all right, I want to get to a couple other questions here before we wrap up will but i need to get another yeah. plug in here real quick for our friends at bet online their partners here with us in the locked on podcast network they continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information i uh, find all the latest odds news and sports events for this year's basketball playoffs major league baseball scores the big fights around the country and even next season's nfl futures bet online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action of Available to you now. It's all courtesy of your friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Will, uh, before we wrap up here, I want to talk about the rush game for uh, USF. And it seems like I'm looking at the statistics, and I remember last year, I, you mentioned Timmy McLean earlier on, his ability, I call him slippery. He was just impossible yeah. for BYU to corral defensively, and he kept USF sing, seemed like single-handedly uh, in that game against BYU in Provo. But uh, the rush attack, there are, let's see, one, two, three, four guys who had above 200 yards, one guy with 238, uh, three 24, 486, 71. So a very balanced rush attack for the Bulls yeah. in 2021. Do you expect that to continue on into this season, or do you expect one of these backs to finally emerge and be the guy? I think it'll be a pretty uh, pretty even workload. Um, you know, you mentioned the 397 that Kelly Joyner had. His mm-hmm. stats are actually split up on the USF website. So he actually okay. had over uh, cl- nearly 500 yards of, of rushing um, to his own credit. Um, now, it, Jaron Mangum came in from from Michigan State last year, and you know was was in his first season was nearing records. I mean, of uh, of rushing touchdowns in a season. He had fifteen for the Bulls. Yeah. Um, but if you look at those rushing touchdowns and where they came from, ninety percent of them came from inside the ten yard line. He's a big back. USF hadn't had as big of a back as Mangum in quite a while. I mean, he's, you know, 6'2", all of 6'2", um, you know, well over 200 pounds. I mean, he's a big boy. And, and you know, he was kind of the bruising style of running back that they wanted to bring in last offseason, and that's exactly what they did. And he was, and, and, and he was you know, a big piece of their success. You also look at, you know, his game. Mangum only had one, uh, he only had two, uh, three games rather of, of 85 yards or more um, because of that balanced attack. Now, Kelly Joyner Jr., on the other hand, kind of disappeared the first half of the season, then ripped off a couple hundred yard gains himself okay. and really, you know, kind of became a, a spark plug in the midpoint of the season. Brian Batty, um, or excuse me, consensus All-American Brian Batty was money in the kick return game um, on the way to being named a consensus All-American, um, but also was really good in the running game. And he was one of USF's best backs that dealt with a toe injury here and there, but you know, it was one that we were kind of surprised just didn't get the playing time that we kind of thought um, that he would receive, especially in the second half of the season. Um, you know, those, those three are going to be the guys. And, and, you know, they, they brought in uh, Mikey Dukes, a, a transfer from Clemson, 
Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about his ability to catch passes out of the backfield. So that can be a nice little aspect that uh, you haven't really seen much with the USF backs. Mangum should still be, you know, a, a 15 to 20 carry guy every game. And you can split kind of the rest of your carries between Kelly Joyner and, and, and Batty, uh, Mikey Dukes. And then Kwan Powell is a freshman that was, you know, kind of in the hunt for playing time before uh, tearing his ACL in, in fall camp. And, uh, you know, those four, those five, you know, USF, uh, you know, they, they've got some pretty desirable weapons across the offense, but I really like where that running back room stands heading into 22. All right, uh, so what we've been doing here, Will, uh, just kind of pull back the curtain, we've been doing a, a countdown, getting us ready for the football season. We've been talking about the top 50 players of BYU history outside of the independent era and the top 50 players inside the independent era. And today we're talking about one of the guys in the independent era and a guy you're probably familiar with, Gunnar Romney, is our is our honoree yeah. today. Uh, he actually was BYU's leading receiver in both of their previous matchups that he played in, both in the loss down there in 2019 in Tampa. He was the leading receiver last year, had a really nice game against USF in Provo. Uh, what do you uh, remember about Gunner, if anything, before I kind of give a little more on what I was going to talk about? Yeah, well, I mean, he, he didn't he burn USF pretty early in that in, in that game. I'm going back looking and, at the box score, and, and it was his that brother, was third. and it was his brother that threw him the touchdown pass. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, because because last year was the game that, that the whole week we were talking, we were trying to figure out if Jaron Hall was going to start or if Baylor Romney was going to start. And we were trying to figure it out, you know, literally right up until kickoff. Yeah, no, I, you know, what I remember about Gunnar Romney was, was just a solid, solid receiver. You know, he wasn't necessarily going to, he didn't really have, you know, terrific, he wasn't, you know, going to, going to beat you on the outside with his speed, but he was just a really solid receiver that, that made catches and, you know, burned USF for 47 yarder that, that ultimately was, ultimately was, was the difference in the game, you know, as USF tried to kind of get back, um, you know, in that one. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I remember, you know, with a last name like Romney, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's definitely easy to remember. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, I just remember him being a, a really solid receiver that wasn't, like I said, going to beat you on the outside with his speed, but just a guy that, that made catches and, and, and was just a valuable part of, uh, of the Cougar offense. And see, the crazy thing about this is, and what we've been doing is we're talking about this. He's played four years at BYU and seemingly every year he has had some t- sort of injury. Last year it was two MCL injuries. He got rolled up on twice during the season and came back relatively quickly from both of those to play. But he is finally trying to have a breakout season. He has had 162 yards, 377 yards. His big season was in 2020 with Zach Wilson uh, throwing the ball all over the field, 767 yards. And then this past season, 594 yards. Obviously, he's had guys like Tyler Algier who have taken reps away from yep. him. Dax Milne, who was it with the Washington Commanders now. Uh, the and the crazy thing about this is he will have his third crack at USF. And if history holds true, he might have a pretty nice game in Tampa once again. And hopefully he, I'm sure he wants the win more than anything else. Cause they lost the last time they played in Tampa, but yeah. I just wanted to, I was going to highlight that he's number 41 in our countdown here as we get, as we get closer and closer to the football season. So I figured I'd pull in a little nice little tie with Gunner and the USF connection as we're talking with you, Will. All right. Final thing from me uh, with you, Will is I want to kind of get your sense for what an expectation is for USF this year. Is it to make a bowl game? Obviously, uh, most teams that have been down like USF have, eventually they do want to make that bowl jump and then make jumps from there. But where is the expectation level this season for the Bulls? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you would ask me that question last week, uh, probably, uh, you'd probably get a, a, a different answer from, from where I'm at this week with it. Um, 
simply just because of the Gary Bohannon transfer. Sure. I mean, you know, USF had no intention of bringing a quarterback in. I mean, they wanted to hit a couple scholarship spaces remaining, and they were adamant to use those on a couple offensive linemen, maybe another defensive lineman, maybe another defensive back. But I really had no intention of bringing in another quarterback because, like I said, you've already got your entrenched starter and you've already got a guy right behind him that could, you know, challenge for the starting spot. So bringing in a guy like Gary Bohannon, I think, will make Vegas kind of up those win totals a little bit because you're seeing you're seeing that this this staff has been you know trying to change a culture that's been you know the 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 words that's been the phrase around around campus over the last you know two years that Jeff Scott's been the head coach they wanted to change a culture they wanted to change a culture they wanted to uh, you know improve the locker room they wanted to make it more family oriented they wanted to make it similar to Clemson um, but now that they've done that it's time to win games. And, 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 and I think the Bohannon transfer more than anything indicates that USF wants to win games and they want to win games in 2022. They don't want to wait till 23. Um, what I, you know, they, I mentioned at the top kind of their, 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 their strength of scale is, is pretty difficult. Um, you know, just in general with, with what they've added over the non-conference slate. Yeah. Um, but the American isn't a cakewalk either by any means. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Cincinnati probably won't make another college football playoff like they did last season. But, you know, you still have to go to Nippert Stadium and you still have to play that team um, up there. And that, that's a tough place to play. you got to go to Houston. USF hasn't beaten Houston since 2002. Oh, wow. And, Yep, yep, it's one of the longest streaks. It, for, to, to be fair, they didn't play from 02 to like 2013, but it's still a team that USF hasn't beaten in in, in nearly two decades. But you got to go to TC uh, TDECU Stadium and, and and play Houston. You got to go to Philadelphia and you got to play a Temple team. USF's never won in Philadelphia at Temple. Um, you know, regardless of, of of how good or bad Temple may be, you still haven't won there if you're USF. You got to go to Tulsa. You got to go to Louisville in non-conference play. You got to go to the Swamp. You got to play Florida. You got to, um, you know, East Carolina's beat you two years in a row. SMU has beaten you the last two, three times they've played. UCF has beaten you five, uh, four, <laughs> four, uh, five straight times, you know, over the last five years. So, um, you know, and then you've got BYU at the, at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the, the season, which, you know, is, is a tough opponent. Um, so I think there was a path to four wins. I, I could see a path to four wins, maybe a beat, you know, you should theoretically beat Tulane. Mm-hmm. You should theoretically beat Temple. You lost to Tulsa by one point. Theoretically, you should beat Tulsa, even though you're on the road. And you should beat Howard, which is your, your FCS game sure. of the year. So, that, so that's your four, right? And I saw a path to six wins, right? But you got to pick off an East Carolina type. You got to pick off a Cincinnati type. You got to pick off a Houston, an SMU, a UCF, a BYU, a Louisville. One of those games that you're not supposed to, that you're not favored to win. You got to pick off one of those teams. Um, in order to get the six wins, you got to pick off two of those teams in our reality. And and another stat for USF is they're Owens, you know, they're Owen their last 10, I think, when it comes to uh, games on the road. They were Owen six last year in road in true road games. They were Owen five in 2020. They've lost their last, dating back to 2019, they have lost their last 12 road games. Wow. Okay. 
Okay. They have not, they have not won a road game since, since October 26, 2019 at East Carolina. Right. So if you want to win six games, you have to win on the road. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to, I mean, it's no matter how difficult it is to pick off a road win in somebody else's stadium, you have to do it. If you're USF, that's the biggest thing for them this year is they have to have to have to get a road win. Now, does that come in Philadelphia? Does that come at Tulsa? Does that come at Cincy, uh, Florida, Louisville? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out those answers. But in order to get to six wins, you have to be able to win one of those tough games, win two of those tough games. I think the path is there, and I think, you know, the Gary Bohannon transfer helps with that. But, um, you know, I think I think four to six wins is a is an attainable um you know, you know, slate. There's a lot of weapons on the offense. I think the offense is going to be fine. The the question is, is is the defense. And again, you brought in a defensive coordinator. You brought in a new offensive coordinator. You know, you you showed you replaced both your coordinators. You and you replaced them with with guys that you know have won. Guys that have you know been successful in their careers. And I think um, ultimately. Uh, you know, that, that, that shows you want to win games. So they're showing a commitment to winning games and, and now it's just time to, to, to go out on the field and, and execute and, and, and win those tough ball games. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to it, getting down there to Tampa and watching this game. Will, uh, where can everybody find your work? Give them a plug real quick. Yeah. So obviously my Twitter's right below my face. If you're watching uh, the podcast at W Turner 24 uh, seven, you can find uh, my, my written work over at bulls 24 com. Uh, just dropped the podcast a, a few days ago about the Gary Bohannon transfer, kind of talking it over with, with, uh, with our bears illustrated uh, uh, contributor, Garrett Ross talking about kind of what it means from the Baylor perspective um, and then kind of we'll obviously have some some more content um, flavored towards BYU as we barrel towards that game in September. Uh, from what I hear, it could be a it could be a hot one. It could be a 12 o'clock game. And, OK, you know, uh, you know, BYU doesn't BYU doesn't travel very, very to Florida very well. when It's hot. Did take care of UCF, though, a couple of years ago. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of hoping it's it's going to be that 100 degree type of game with about 85 percent relative humidity in the, you know, those Utah boys. They talk so much about the elevation. They don't talk as much about the humidity when they come to Tampa now. Hey, BYU fans are well aware of uh, their team wilting in that humidity, so that'll be something (laughs) to monitor. There's no doubt about that. Will, we will have you on in the lead-up to that game again for sure. Thank you so much for taking some time. Of course. Thanks for having me, Jake. All right, everybody. Just a reminder for you guys, follow the show Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, Follow Will and all his great work as well. And also, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you guys again on Monday. See ya.